Nebraska Public Media Sports brings you live coverage of the NSAA High School Baseball Championships from Werner Park in Omaha on Friday, May 17th. Catch the Class C game at noon Central, Class B game at 3.30 p.m. Central, and Class A at 7 p.m. Central on Nebraska Public Media. Welcome to Hurt at Sports Radio. Kicking off hour number three here on Hurt at Sports Radio on AM 590 ESPN Omaha, ESPN Tri-Cities. And for hour number three, we're on KFOR in Lincoln as well. I'm Robbie Lula, Andrew Rogers here with me. Mike Schaefer will be joining us in just a moment. Uh, but before he does that, I want to tell you about our friends at Kingman's Collision Center. Kingman's has four great Omaha area locations. They've been family owned and operated in Omaha for over 25 years. And they've been voted first place best of Omaha for 18 years running. They invest in the latest technology, so they're always up to date with the work on any make and model from Ford's to Tesla's and they care about the community that they live and work in. So for every car repaired, they give back through their give back program. Go check out dingmans.com for more information about their services and about their give back program. That is Dingman's Collision Center. Uh, we still working on Shafe there, Shane? Uh, still waiting. That's all, right. all right. Come on, Shafe. Uh, no, we... <laughs> What could you possibly be doing? Yeah, Yeah, I'm sure he's got things to do. I don't think he's that busy. Um, No, we've... uh, Well, we can ask him. He's here. There we go. I told you. you. Any minute now. It's all right. We've got our guy, Mike J. Schaefer, on the Warhorse Sportsbook Hotline. Schaefer, what's going on, buddy? Uh, Sorry, internet connection (laughs) issues, but we're uh, we're good to go. Nothing can slow me down. No hat today for Schaefer. Yeah, there's a couple sitting over here, but I didn't want to put a Vikings hat on after that performance on Saturday. And, you know, I just decided people can see my uh, receding hairline and widow's peak and all its glory. You're That's all right. Everybody's focused. Great. Everybody's focused on the beard. Nobody cares about the hair. <laughs> um, Shafe, obviously, it's I been a busy, uh, busy time of year, uh, busy time of year for you. Um, how well. Obviously, we're going to talk about Dylan Riola, but before we get there, how much more, I guess, how many more surprises are you expecting between now and tomorrow morning? Any? Surprises? No. Um, I mean, remember, surprises to you and surprises to everybody else might be different. Sure. Yeah. I'll run through, like, I mean, I think Nebraska is in a pretty good spot here with Vince. And Shavers, who was just here over the weekend, Bly mm-hmm. Hill, who was just here over the weekend. And then the two that people might not know about as much, uh, there's a pair of defensive backs in Miami that are making decisions tomorrow in Larry Tarver and Amari Sanders. Nebraska had each on campus at some point here uh, throughout the year. Amari Sanders was in June, and he's someone, his, his older brother, Tony Sanders, plays basketball at Notre Dame. He is a developmental defensive back, big, long, a guy that I don't know if he's a corner or a safety exactly, uh, but there's someone that they clearly like a lot. And then on the other end of the spectrum, Larry Tarver is a slot corner, or at least that's how 24-7 sports views him, uh, a, an interior guy in your, your defensive backfield. 
And that's, you know, always kind of unusual if you can find someone who can play that position right away. Like, that's a tough – the nickelback role is, is pretty tough. Dime is pretty tough if you're in it. Uh, and I think finding someone who might be ideal there uh, is good for Nebraska as well. So Larry Tarver is committed to Maryland, but he told me after his Nebraska visit that he was going to just go to signing day and just decide if he was going to be <laughs> stick with the Terps or if he was going to pick Nebraska. So, um, you know, that was uh, that was what, like – October 29th or whatever. So good on him. He stuck to his word on that one. Shafe, um, let's talk about DR now, officially getting that commitment last night. Um, it was something that uh, was becoming more of an expectation as the days went on. You had a crystal ball in, um, I believe. <laughs> oh, I, those don't mean anything. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you you had the crystal ball in last February. So yeah. like, you were ready to go. Uh, but, you know, uh, other people too, Will Fong, uh, BC, I think, had one, Brunty. Like, it was like becoming an expectation, a reality. And then it hit. So you see this commitment. Is it enough for you to say that no doubt – this team is making a bowl game next year, winning six, seven games. Oh, man, there is, there's no way that I would just say there's no doubt, especially, <laughs> when, especially when we're talking about a freshman quarterback. I mean, I, like, if you want my no-doubt answer, it's that I have no doubt that assuming hell, Dylan Riola takes the first snap for Nebraska in 2024. Like, there's, I have little question about who's going to be the starting quarterback, assuming he's healthy. He didn't come here to sit on the bench. He didn't come here to to watch someone else have the the role in Nebraska's room, even with Chuba, even with Heinrich, it'd be really hard for me to imagine that, you know, it's not going to be Dylan. Um, maybe they bring in a transfer quarterback and that could change uh, my opinion on it. But right now it's, it's hard to imagine that it's anybody, but uh, Dylan Riola to start. And so because of that, It'd be difficult to just say that there aren't potential for growing pains that, you know, Nebraska's roster isn't so well built that a guy who's never played a snap before in college football can just step right in and not, you know, have growing pains or not have problems. So, I I mean, the schedule sets up nicely. I felt like if they got a veteran quarterback that could, you know, move the offense through the air a little bit, manage the pocket, manage the locker room, uh, the schedule sets up nicely for them to, to win a bunch of games early and get better as the year goes along. And that's still true. Um, but now you maybe have a little bit of a leeway. If you struggle early, some of these teams, this is when you'd rather catch them or, you know, they're, they're maybe not the best teams on your schedule. So that might help out Nebraska uh, in the end. But yeah, I, I would really, really be pushing it if I was like, yeah, I'm guaranteeing a bowl right now. All right. <laughs> I know the last seven years. <laughs> Shafe, I know that uh, one of the biggest things that people have started asking questions about with the commitment of Dylan Rayola is who is he throwing the ball to? Obviously, you have some of the freshmen. Hopefully Nebraska. Well, that's that's not as much of a uh, given as we would like it to have been this past year. Um, but in terms of guys on Nebraska's roster between this year's recruiting class and last year's recruiting class, how do you think that young wide receiver room is shaping up? I, I think there's a lot of intoxicating, intriguing players. I also think Nebraska really needs to go get a veteran wide receiver to give another option. I mean, the I, the loss of Kyle McCord is difficult. The loss of Julian Fleming isn't bigger to me, but it also is one of those things where there was no clear pivot. You know, when you could pivot from Kyle McCord to, to Dylan, like you can, you're like, okay. Long term, you're getting a five-star quarterback versus one year of this guy. Like mm-hmm. that's a 
that's not a really super tough equation right now in college football. But not having a good offense built around him gives me apprehension. I don't trust the running game at all. And then the wide receivers, I really like Jalen Lloyd. I really like Malachi Coleman. I think Jaden Goss can be really interesting. It's just hard for me because we haven't seen these guys emerge. And really, other than like, say, 2014, 2015, when guys like Brandon Riley and Jordan Westerkamp and a handful of others, just Alonzo Moore was part of that. Like they had a bunch of receivers in that run that just kind of all sort of peaked at the same time. They're going to, they're probably going to need that here in 2024. Like you're going to need Demetrius Bell to be a guy that can get you some yards, even though he's never played before. You're going to need Jaden Doss to help out from the slot. And you're going to need Jalen Lloyd to be more than just a big play specialist. So it's a, and, and of course, you know, Malachi's in there too. So, I would, I would love to see Nebraska add a veteran wide receiver. I think they will, the quality of which remains to be in question. Because it's not, it's not like there's this loaded crop of receivers sitting in the, in the portal. I mean, they're kind of sifting through and, and figuring out body types or style or do they have a connection here, that kind of thing. Uh, and that's why Julian Fleming, to me, is a bit of a loss. So, Shafe, you, you mentioned what you would like to see. You know, my question, because I think there's – three different possibilities here what do you ultimately think Dylan Rayola's commitment like trickle down effect is is it more five-star recruits will now come in to play with him is it you get that top portal target uh, because they're itching to play at Nebraska now with a guy like Rayola in the room or is it uh, as you kind of alluded to the impact on the current guys in-house because now it could be exponentially higher for them uh, in terms of growth than it was two days ago? Well, I mean, the, it starts in-house because those guys are already there. And, the you know, the benefit that they're going to get for having a quarterback that you perceive to be more accurate and a little more on schedule than what they had this year would be pretty high. The benefit in terms of recruiting, I think, is probably going to come more from 2025 recruits than it is from transfer portal guys mm. in general. Um, because, it you know, just like with Julian Fleming, and I, I've had people ask, well, why can't Nebraska be in that? You, you have a five-star quarterback, and it's like, well, he's got one year to play. He's not going to bet his one year on a guy who's never played college football before. So I, I think that, you know, who you get in the portal is going to be somewhat capped by the idea of, like, if they only have a year, are they going to put that trust in someone who's never played? I mean, Nebraska's quarterback picture isn't exactly intoxicating for transfer portal wide receivers. But if you're a 2025, if you're a high-level 25 receiver and Nebraska comes to you and they're like, we have the number one quarterback in the country in 2024, he's just going to be a sophomore by the time you get on campus, that's a guy that can help get you better day one. Uh, you know, Think of how many reps and how much he's going to go through in the 24 season, and he's going to be ready by the time you get to campus, and then you can be ready right away as a friend. Like the way that you can make that pitch to these 25 receivers is really, really strong. And then, I mean, Dylan Raiola is just all over the the peer recruiting scene. I mean, he's just a known name. I mean, Brunt's talked with Preston Talmua, and this shouldn't be a shock. He's from Hawaii. But, you know, even he was talking about, oh, yeah, I've been friends with Dylan for so long and blah, blah, blah. And it's just like, I mean, the, the guy is just connected in part because he played for all these different high schools and does all these different events and everything else. Uh, but I, I think he's going to help in 25 for sure. We're talking with Mike Schaefer of Husker 24-7. You know, you mentioned some of the guys that are already in the room, like a Demetrius Bell, a Jalen Lloyd, a Jaden Doss. Are there any guys that 
didn't really play this year. You know, I'm looking like a Bryce Turner, Jeremiah Charles that you're excited about as at all in terms of their potential development into impact wide receivers. Well, I think both of those guys, I know Bryce Turner for sure is a defensive back now. And I think Jeremiah Charles got moved there as well. So I think Nebraska looked at their wide receivers. They brought in all those development guys and they, they moved the ones up that they felt like needed to be moved up. Well, Jalen Lloyd, uh, you know, wasn't necessarily a slam dunk to stay at wide receiver, but he clearly was their pick over Bryce Turner and, and Jeremiah Charles. Those guys are moving to defensive back where Nebraska looks like they're going to take 37 in their class of <laughs> 67 people that they're going to sign. Uh, and so I don't, I don't know what Evan Cooper is doing. He's just collecting all the pieces. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I don't know how that's going to work exactly with your roster numbers, but um, I don't think there's another wide receiver that, you know, I, I'm trying to think if there's even a walk-on guy that uh, could potentially pop. But, no, I, I think – and even with your your class that you have coming in, you have you have Davon Hall, you have Isaiah McMorris. I mean, for me, it's probably Ja'Cory Barney. If we're talking about um, a receiver sure. that I'm excited to see for next year that hasn't done anything yet, I love the idea that he's an early enrollee. I love the idea that he and, and Dylan Riola can kind of develop some chemistry in the spring. He's someone that I think – is a real gadget player. I mean, the the comparison that everybody wants to make to him because he can do a bunch of different things is a Debo Samuel, but he also needs to get a lot bigger to be a Debo Samuel. Um, so I I'm really excited about the the potential of of a Jacory Barney. And then I mean, Keelan Smith had a monster year. He's someone that's really interesting to me. Quinn Clark is one of those guys that I think you know we're going to do the Super Six earlier this year. I'll get you guys your uh, My man. your your ballots for that here <laughs> after signing day, but. Um, you know, Quinn Clark's one of those guys that I'm going to be hard pressed to move out of my either sleeper spot or I'm going to want to like work him in. I mean, I, I like a lot of that. I, I don't know if he's going to stay at receiver or not, but those guys are, are really interesting. The two Bell West guys are interesting too, but I think because I haven't seen the other ones as much, I, I gravitate more to the out of state guys. So no apologies to them. Or, Excuse me. Apologies. <laughs> Shafe, well, we spent some time this morning talking about uh, Casey Thompson and his potential. Um, his potential. Dude, we're talking addition. about Casey. I What's know. What's going on? How how incredible. Um, and you know, it, it, it's funny because we we kind of took it the direction of quarterback coach because Ravi is uh, on the side of you know even though Casey's in the room he still thinks it's uh, important to add a quarterback's coach to this team. I took it the other direction and thought, well, Casey Thompson is kind of an acting coach in himself, and I don't know how necessary it is to have a quarterback coach if Casey Thompson is in the room to be that veteran presence for uh, mentoring and molding Dylan Rayola. What do you think, Shafe? Do you think it's important um, and or necessary to have a, a quarterback's coach too, even if Casey Thompson is in the room, or are you feeling the latter like me? Um, I, I definitely think you want to, if, if you can work it with your position where it's currently available, you can move Marcus Satterfield to tight end and you can bring in an experienced quarterback coach. I think that's a good idea um, for me personally. I mean, I, I know everything out there uh, with Casey. I know he's been in Lincoln recently. I'm pretty sure he's in Lincoln right now. Um, but I don't, I don't know that I can just rely on the fact that uh, a soon-to-be 26-year-old can be the uh, the quarterback coach of your of your position room that he's also in. Um, it it seems like this is trending to to him being uh, back with Nebraska. It's sort of a fascinating turn of events uh, from where things were at last spring, where 
you know, people felt like Matt Rule ran him out of town, uh, which was never really the case. But that that narrative took on some uh, some run in early September when Jeff Sims was struggling. But I I think that Casey could be uh, helpful in sort of a uh, quarterback emeritus role, I guess, if you will, like just a, a guy who can um, provide some uh, feedback, a sounding board, someone who can uh, kind of express uh what they're seeing to 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 a guy like dylan or to some of these other quarterbacks but if you know like i i look at it like this if if casey thompson is here and nebraska retains heinrich harburg or chubba purdy i don't know that you can go from competing with the guy or looking at him as a teammate to then suddenly you're gonna like view him as kind of this quarterback savant to me it'd be more for guys like daniel kalen and for for Dylan uh, Riola to sort of soak up the knowledge of someone who was at Texas and then Nebraska and, and Florida Atlantic. I mean, he can been in football for a long time. He can talk about it. There's no doubt about it. Shafe, uh, I'm you know I'm curious as I'm kind of looking at this class. I'm looking at uh, some of the other names. Obviously, Dylan Riola is the the headliner. The you know his names and lights on the marquee. And there's some other higher-profile guys we've talked about, Grant Bricks. We've talked about Carter Nelson. Um, without, you know, you know, you like to do the Super 6 and stuff, but who else in this class kind of gets you excited about their future at Nebraska? Yeah. Um, I mentioned Ja'Cory Barney, so I won't have to go back to mm-hmm. that one, but he's someone I like quite a bit, and he'd be pretty high in my Super 6. Uh, I'll give you a name that is right here local that, quite frankly, I didn't know enough about. Uh, he got his offer. I watched him in, in seven on seven stuff. And I was like, okay, I'd see the athleticism. And then I went and watched him play this year. And then I talked to some different coaches on him. Donovan Jones had a hell of a year. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was really, really good for Omaha North. He is a physical defender. I think he is going to slide into that Rover role that, that Isaac Gifford currently occupies where you can kind of play between being a linebacker and a, and a safety. I think he has that sort of athleticism in his game. I, you know, like there was there was an element of watching him play where I'm like Nebraska is getting two of the same player and Caleb Benning and, and Donovan Jones. Like they're they're both pretty instinctive. They're both more than willing to come up and stick their nose into a run play and and hit a running back. They uh, they like to kind of bait the the quarterback a little bit with some of the off coverage to see if the quarterback thinks he can put it into a window. And they're just sort of playmakers. And so I I really like. I mean, you can include Caleb in this too. I mean, I. I like what they're getting there in that secondary. I think those guys are are really, really interesting players. And then, you know, as as I said, I, I joke they're taking 37 defensive backs. Well, here's another. And he got hurt. <laughs> but Rex Guthrie had some awesome highlights as a junior. I mean, he's a really good athlete. Same thing, another safety, another guy that, that might be able to play um, some different roles, you know, as well. So those are, those are some of the ones that jump out. You know, on the offensive line, I think that uh, Gibson Pyle, is is maybe a little bit uh, forgotten about because he committed so early. He's really intriguing. And then a guy like Ian Flint, who we don't talk about a lot, too. He's like a third commitment. What intrigues me about Ian Flint is he's really good at blocking. And so it's like, do you do you have like an NFL mentality where you have this like backup court or backup tight end or, or third string tight end, but you use him a lot because he's a really good blocker. So he's in on specific packages uh, for that kind of thing. Or with his size, does he grow into being a potential offensive line? You know, so I, I think that Ian Flint is one of those kind of tweeners that could be between either being an offensive lineman in the future or staying at tight end and being a really predominant 
blocking tight end, but he's he's one of those guys that's never going to put up big numbers, but could be pretty valuable as you start to put together the blueprint of what you want this to look like. So, Shafe, we've experienced one offseason already with this staff. They're obviously making major strides with the addition of Rayola. But what are some things, uh, some other things they need to recreate that you considered wins a year ago? And what are some things they missed the mark on that should be highlighted in offseason number two? Yeah, you know, it's it's difficult because, it to me, the, the issues that I'm concerned about are largely going to be in-season stuff. It's going to be in-game management. It's going to be clock management. It's going to be having a better feel for when you want to push with your offense versus when you just take the fact that you are 45 yards, or excuse me, you're you know, you're know at the 15-yard line and you got to go a long way to kick a field goal and you got 45 seconds left. So I, um, I, I'm curious more about that than I am the off-season stuff. I think, I think Matt Rule is going to always do well with the off-season stuff. I think he is... I think he's truly a culture building kind of guy. I think the culture in that uh, locker room and that program is so much better now than it was at this time last year when they first got here. Uh, and I think that's going to really help him out. But in terms of things that, you know, I, I would like to see, I would like to still see a running back out of the portal. I'd like to see a commitment to the running game. Um, but I think you also have to have the right piece for that too. And I just don't, I don't look at their running back room and I'm not wowed by it. I'm not, I'm not, you know, particularly, if they don't bring in competition, I'm not particularly excited about another year of Gabe Irvin and, and Emmett Johnson and Ramir Johnson. And they're all good individual pieces, right? But I'm I'm at the point where, like, I need to see Nebraska get a difference-making running back instead of just another guy. And it feels like they haven't had a difference-making running back in a long time. Yeah, I mean, it's what? It's probably Amir Abdullah. Well, yeah. I mean, if we're talking, like, legitimately good, if you're talking about pretty good, then it's like, what, Mills and – and uh Ozigbu, I mean basically Ozigbu had a nice year. Yeah. I yeah. mean had... and but even then I don't like those guys are, are you know really solid, but man, I just part of it is just growing up when I did and, and just Nebraska always had fantastic running backs. And then the other part of me is like you haven't made a bowl game in seven years, your team's really struggled. What haven't you had in seven years? You tried a lot with quarterbacks, yeah, you tried a lot with these other things, just haven't had a stud running back. Like that I think and would be very helpful for this program if they could get back to that again. Yeah, and you know, obviously part of that goes hand in hand with the quarterback struggles too, right? If you have a quarterback that's struggling, it's really easy to because I, I don't know that there's nobody in that room that couldn't be uh, Divine Azigbo. I I don't think there's a Amir Abdullah in the room. Yeah, I, I agree with that a hundred percent. But if I he, mean, I I think Ramir Johnson is still probably the most talented individual out of those three, but I just. You know, two straight years of health, no, obviously, no a usage big issue in, too, yeah. in health last year. I mean, it makes it hard. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that is Mike J. Schaefer. Uh, did we did we miss anything before tomorrow that we should have talked about? No, I think we. I mean, Bly Hill. I don't think I mentioned him. Transfer portal, uh, defensive back, of course. Uh, from another Saint Francis, another defensive back. Let's do it. Yeah, uh, they up. they want him to be opposite to Tommy Hill and then it's just going to be you know in the middle is going to be the valley that's what Nebraska <laughs> is going to be called. Uh, we appreciate it as always Shafe I know you're going to be busy the next day or so so uh, maybe get some sleep maybe get a nap in today before things get really crazy tomorrow uh, but we appreciate talking to you as always we'll, uh, we'll catch up with you again I think after the new year because we're off next week yeah happy holidays gentlemen thank See you Shafe. Shafe that's our guy Mike J. Schaefer on the Warhorse Sportsbook Hotline 
good stuff from him there. Uh, I think he's right. I think we're maybe waiting on a couple guys, the Tarver and Amari Sanders, like he was talking about. Otherwise, I think the class is is more or less put to bed. But what a class it will end up being because you got your guy at the quarterback spot, Dylan Rayola, which only helps every other position group, especially and, at the skill position. And like you said, next year, I think you're talking about an absolutely bonkers potential for the 2025 well, you talk class. about like the running backs and how you can get to Amir Abdullah level. You kind of don't have to be when your passing game is projected to work. Heard at Hot Seat, coming up next. <laughs>